Taking chicks out and dudes Antifa riots and loots Treated chrome like I fear Got sniffed by Pedro Joe Hunter smoking blow While they bought more kids from Wayfair Fetterman's on his last life McCarthy's still taking bribes Pelosi's drunk and insane well, the TV news is owned by Zionist Jews. Won't say who was on Epstein's plane. Washington Swamp really needs some training. Where elections are bought and prearranged. To take our futures away. And so like to Spaces, I got patriot friends. Liberals call us racist. Well, Obama had long. For a chick with a schlong, Big Mike was at his back door. Dancing gay pride, BLM picking fights. We finance Zelensky's Ukraine war. Created COVID-19, Bill Gates vaccines to isolate family and friends. Just so big lies about a campaign in Trump Tower. Never kill Ben Laden. Washington Swamp really needs some training. Where elections are bought and are rearranged to take a rights away. It's the communist way. Joshy Cox, you know I'm loud, and you know I'm also proud. 
And uh, I am proud to bring you this edition of The Masquerade uh, here on Spotify. Spotify for podcasters. You can listen to it just about everywhere. Any major uh, podcast provider, iHeartRadio, HoneyPod, PocketCast, PodHero, PCast, Podverse, Amazon Music, Podcast Addict, Capsule, Podomatic, Player FM, Stitcher, Deezer, Apple Music, Boomplay Music, Ghana, Google Podcasts, Odyssey, Fountain, Memento, Hophopper, Podcast Go, Radio Republic, Audible, the podcast app, Procast, and more. Look it up, and you will be able to find it just about anywhere you go. And uh, that that is the best way to get your best information. Uh, and podcasting has really taken a whole new uh, step in innovation uh, in terms of sharing information and just being shared all over the universe. That's how we would like it to be. So happy about that. Very proud of that. I am a voice for patriots, a voice for freedom, leader of Joshua Hollicks Worldwide. And I don't know if you uh, noticed the uh, theme music that we opened up with the uh, introduction to this episode of The Masquerade. That was performed by yours truly. Uh, Again, the one and only Joshy Cox. And uh, I just wanted to have a little bit of fun. So I came up with that. I was uh, kicking around some different song ideas and for some reason, Garth Brooks popped into my head, and I thought, you know what? I will learn to play that. It doesn't sound that difficult. Spun some of my own lyrics to it, so hopefully you like it. If you do, share it with friends, share it with family, share it with Democrats, and that would make the world go around for sure. So um, anything new in the world? I guess uh, the most current thing when talking about uh, the great American uh, geopolitical arena, if you will, or the not-so-great uh, geopolitical arena, depends on who you are, what your stance is, but uh, the, the one news out of uh, Washington is, I guess, the fact that we will remain in debt uh, as a nation for um, for the foreseeable future, really, and probably for many years to come. Uh, they say that we could slash, I think, uh, between $1 to $1.5 trillion uh, over the next 10 years from our federal deficit, uh, the debt that we owe to other nations, and... Um, the good news is we're exchanging that for an additional $4 trillion that we'll be able to spend between now and 2025. Do the math. Yeah, it, it doesn't add up. I tried it too. I even used calculator shorthand math. I even tried common core math. That really fucked things up because nobody knows what common core math is yet anyway because we haven't developed uh, a real logic for it because there is no logic to be had. Uh, you can thank actually Bill Gates uh, as an innovator of the uh, common core math. Uh, that he's brought to our country and instituted. And um, all in the name of philanthropy, of course, just like his uh, great friends at the Rockefeller Foundation. But, ladies and gentlemen, the debt ceiling, it was agreed upon in the House, and that took place on Tuesday. Uh, They took off, of course, uh, most members of Congress took off for the weekend, enjoyed their Memorial Day weekends with their families because they could afford to do so, unlike many of us who had to conserve on gas because gas prices reached... Uh, a, a yearly high thus far to this point uh, for the holiday weekend. It's funny how that just happens to uh, spike up whenever there's expected uh, you know, travel. You would think that supply and demand and having that you know, demand would ultimately change things and maybe lower prices because more fuel would be uh, consumed, purchased and consumed. But nope, that's not the case. Not in America, uh, not in the, the Obama-Biden economy uh, because it's, to me it, it's, the, uh, it's the O-Biden economy. I, I still believe that Joe's not running the White House. I think uh, his former president, while well, he was vice president, is still in charge and calling the shots. And the guy, uh, you know, pulling the strings, if you will, it's it's a great puppeteer action. Uh, 
who would have thought that somebody like a uh, former senator and president would be so talented as to be able to uh, pull off a marionette show. But supposedly, that that's what Obama's doing. So, and I believe that 110%. But as I said, this new uh, bill that it was presented and introduced by Congressman uh, McHenry, and what he was thinking, I have no idea. Now, they've run through a, just an overall wealth of uh, different amendments uh, because immediately it was known and recognized by uh, good members of Congress that saw that there was nothing, no gain uh, for Americans in that original text. And they kicked around so many ideas, and just one after the other was voted down. So uh, McCarthy said that he was going to go to bat, and he was going to uh, continue negotiations. He was not going to budge, and you know, he, he was going to eliminate just the irresponsible uh, spending by the Democratic Party and um, in typical McCarthy fashion. Instead, he came back with pretty much the original deal and uh, probably less benefit for the American people. And he was able to convince um, enough Republicans in the House to go ahead with it and, uh, and vote yay. And that it's, it's just really, it's sad. It, it's sad. Uh, the yays, 149 Republicans. The Democrats, 165 voted yay. Uh, there were 71 good MAGA Republicans that all turned this, uh, this bill down uh, in comparison to 46 of the Democrats. Two from each side of the aisle uh, chose to not vote. One of those, for the Republican Party anyway, was um, Mrs. Uh, Lauren Boebert. And to vote no, I understand the logic of why anyone would have not voted. They would choose to not vote. And that's because you can't vote yay. Uh, because obviously it, it's not of any benefit. Again, it, it will only hurt us in the long haul. Nay, then the Democrats are going to attack you like we saw actually uh, in the week prior, uh, many of them with their antics, and they're going to say that you don't support veterans um, and things of that nature. So sometimes it's just easier to uh, exclude yourself and to not have your voice heard at all and just say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to choose and opt out, and I'm not going to vote on this bill. So that's what Bobert and... Uh, three other individuals did. It ended up passing uh, by a total of 314 to 117 in the uh, House of Representatives, and that, of course, got sent to Senate, and that's where they voted yesterday, and that vote came in at uh, 63 to 36 with one no vote in the U.S. Senate, and um, so that's how it turned out. 18 uh, Republican senators voted yay. So 18 uh, rhinos, I got the list for you. If you'd like to know if it was somebody that's your representative, um, Senator Boozman from Arizona. We had Capito out of West Virginia, uh, Collins out of Maine, Jim Cornyn out of Texas. We had Kramer out of North Dakota, Ernst out of Iowa, Chuck Grassley uh, out of Iowa. And normally he's somebody that's uh, going to be a stickler for this. I can't believe that he decided to uh, go in favor of his colleague on the right side of the aisle, or, well, usually in the left, but Mitch McConnell. Uh, who also, of course, we knew that he would cave. Uh, that, that's just how that works for him. Uh, he has no backbone. Haggerty out of Tennessee. Morang uh, representing Kansas. Mullen, the Senate uh, senator out of Oklahoma. Lisa Murkowski out of uh, Alaska. Mitt Romney out of Utah. And, uh, you know, Mitt Swartz, uh, his net worth is over $450 million. So no surprise there. Same can be said for Daryl Issa out of the uh, House of Representatives. A man whose net worth exceeds $600 million. And he voted yes for this debt ceiling to be lifted. Although, you know, it's not going to be his tax dollars really that are going to be suffering. Uh, and if it is, he can afford probably the entire country's share. Uh, also, we had Thune 
uh, and Rounds out of South Dakota, Tillotson, North Carolina, and Young in Indiana in the Senate, all voting yay instead of nay. In the House, uh, there's too many, uh, obviously, to name with so many more members, but the most notable ones that disappointed me terribly uh, was obviously Kevin McCarthy, but I was not surprised by that. Uh, Kevin has voted uh, with more allegiance to the left side of the aisle than he has with the right uh, over the course of his career. And then, of course, the, the one that really surprised me is Jim Jordan. Uh, of course, you know, the representative out of Ohio. And now I have to wonder him, he, both he and James Comer uh, out of Kentucky. So you have to wonder with those two, are they just really more about sitting on committees and, you know, actually taking and participating and making responsible uh, votes as representatives of their districts? Yeah, I honestly feel like the way, because Jim Jordan had an opportunity. He was a... Uh, nominated several times for Speaker of the House uh, back during that whole debacle uh, took place, and he didn't, He said he did not want it. You know, he could not refrain from being nominated, but he had encouraged voters uh, in the House to not vote him in because he did not want it. He wanted to sit on the committee, and he wanted to have Senate or the House uh, you know, oversight committees, and he wanted to be basically prosecuting. Um, so, unfortunately, when you're in that position— you're expected to do both. If you're a member of the House, your number one obligation really is going to be appropriations and to run the uh, fiduciary side of our United States government. And then is when you can have a responsibility such as sitting on a committee and you know maybe prosecuting or examining, uh, if you will. And you don't get to pick and choose and then just say, well, I, I want to get back to my, uh, my committee meetings and I'll just... I'll just vote with the consensus. Terribly wrong. Both Comer and Jordan did that. The other ones that did that that really shocked me, other than McCarthy, was Steve Scalise. Now, Scalise was seen, I believe that was on uh, Friday, either Thursday or Friday. That was when uh, just ruckus took over in the House. And that was during Steve Scalise's, uh, basically, it was his grandstand moment. And he's grandstanding after he, he yields to allow a Democrat uh, to speak, and she just completely, you know, obliterated uh, the Republicans and told them that they didn't care about veterans affairs and you know, veteran benefits and how she Republican party would be leaving people hungry and you know, without food and you know, the veterans would be without homes and without Medicare, you know, all that craziness. And Scalise, you know, after uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene finally did regain order in the house, Scalise went on this big ramp and just complete, it was showboating and it was political grandstanding only to the following week, just four days later, only to vote yay for this bill. Uh, and that's H.R. Uh, 3746. And so you're going to put up all that that rant and just showboating and political grandstanding to change your tune and change your story. And there were no amendments that were added to that would have satisfied him. Yeah, and he couldn't stand this bill. It was irresponsible. It was not for the American people not anything was changed by the time he had taken his seat to vote on Tuesday. Uh, roll call vote, I believe that was on number 244 or 243, one or the other. And he votes yay. So what kind of factor came in over the weekend? You know, you have to almost wonder, like, what kind of bribery maybe took place? You know, what, what changed his mind and persuaded him when he was so against voting this, uh, this debt ceiling uh, relief bill in? Uh, and like I said, in James Jordan, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Kevin McCarthy, which we already expected. Uh, the champions of the day, again, Lauren Boebert voted no. But uh, my own 
uh, Representative Scott Perry, the congressman out of Pennsylvania, he was a champion. He voted no. Uh, Andy Biggs voted no. Matt Gates out of Florida voted no. Uh, so I do want to thank you. There's a handful of others. Tony Gonzalez, one of the few in Texas that stood for what is right and voted no. Uh, Byron Donalds uh, voted no out of Florida. So there are a few that represented the American people. I commend them. Dan Bishop, another one out of North Carolina. Uh, and I was very proud of his stance. And in fact, he's even called uh, for the replacement and uh, to vacate the seat of the Speaker of the House. And McCarthy was uh, very arrogant in that matter as well. He was interviewed, I believe it was Friday or my memory serves me correctly. And he was asked by different members of the media about, you know, the fact that one of the negotiating tactics to get McCarthy the votes needed to be speaker was that it would only require one motion by just one member of the House of Representatives uh, to basically to vacate and remove the speaker of the House before it always had taken uh, many more and McCarthy agreed to that, and that was one of the big negotiating uh, pieces that they brought to the table. And Bishop said right away that he felt as though that that's what was needed and that's what would be needed to happen now because McCarthy didn't keep his word. He did not. He was not a good card player whatsoever. Um, in fact, I wouldn't go buy a used car off of him because I think I would probably just walk away with you know something a great card for next to nothing. Uh, for apparently from what he was able to show us, so uh, that's the story on that. In terms of what this bill looks like, uh, I could give you examples and give you the uh, the rundown of it. It is called the Response, uh, Fiscal Responsibility Act of 2023. And uh, this bill increases the federal debt limit, establishes new discretionary spending limits, like Democrats are going to keep their word to that, um, rescinds unobligated funds, and expands work requirements for federal programs. So that's just a, a brief summary. Uh, specifically, the bill suspends the federal debt limit not one year, no, not just through the remainder of this fiscal calendar. And that, that's a real kicker there as well. Through January 1st of 2025, which means that will get the entire O'Biden administration uh, through the remainder of, this, of their term. And then it, it's up for grabs from there. And it increases the limit on January 2nd, 2025 to accommodate the obligations issued during the suspension period. In addition, the bill establishes new discretionary spending limits for fiscal year 2024 and fiscal year 2025 that are enforced with concentration, which is automatic spending cuts. It also changes the limits to 1% below the 2023 fiscal year base funding levels if a continuing resolution is in fact in, in effect on or after January 1st, 2024 or on or after January 1st, 2025 because all 12 regular appropriations bills were not enacted by the end of the prior year. So that uh, is part of it. Now, if we want to break it down even more, the bill also includes provisions that rescind certain unobligated funds that were provided to address COVID-19 and to the Internal Revenue Service, uh, provide funding for the Department of Veterans Affairs Cost of War uh, Toxic Exposure Fund. Uh, that was, of course, Biden's because he claims that that's what killed his, uh, his son, Bill. Provide... Um, Funding for the Department of Commerce Non-Recurring Expenses Fund provides statutory authority through 2024 for the requirement for agencies that propose certain administrative actions that will increase direct spending to also propose at least one administrative action that will decrease direct spending by at least the same amount, commonly known as administrative pay-as-you-go rules. And I could show you in the past, I looked at this and had looked at uh, it was concerning travel and the, con the congressional travel uh, budget. Uh, from years prior, and it, we've had this pay-as-you-go system before, 
and you might not see a huge difference in the first one, two, maybe even three years. But when you look at five years, six years, seven years, eight years down the road, it, it it's going to drive our debt further and further. And I, I, I honestly am beginning to believe that that is definitely what the goal is here, is to break the economy and then sell us out, whether it be China or whoever the highest bidder is at that point in time. And I don't think we're far from that. Point. Provisions that terminate the suspension of federal student loan payments, I guess that will uh, take effect in 60 days. Uh, students that do already have an extraordinary uh, amount of student debt, they are to begin making those payments again in 60 days' time. Uh, expand the work requirements for the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program and a Temporary Assistance for Needy Families Program and expedite the permitting process for certain energy projects. So you, there you have it. Nothing that was supposed to benefit Americans. Uh, a lot of the provisions and amendments that were proposed, again, Obviously, it, the government would have defaulted. I would have liked to have seen the government close. Let Washington shut down. Because if it shuts down, guess who's not getting paid? That's right. Your members of the, rep- the House of Representatives, your senators, uh, all their staff, they're not going to get paid either. So maybe that would provide incentive to, uh, to work in a, non, uh, in a bipartisan manner and actually work cohesively as a team. That, that's honestly what our government was originally designed to do, and it hasn't done that in a very long time. So... In my opinion, um, you know, we, we could have left things where they, uh, where they were and just let them, uh, we could have found out how things would play out. It's, and again, they don't know, what, they don't understand what it's like. They are not voting based on what their constituency tells them to do. That's a fact. We see that on social media every day. And the tide is turning. I mean, more and more Americans are waking up. More and more Americans are saying, okay, you know what? I made a mistake. I might have, you know, thought this was okay. I voted this way or that way, uh, whether it be 2020 or in the midterms of 2022. And now they're even saying, like, uh, enough's enough now. You know, make the bleeding stop. So they are not voting for their constituencies. They don't know what it's like to live life like an everyday American. You know, they're they're making their $174,000 a year salary. Their benefits package in retirement are just ungodly. Uh, We could only dream of having something... That is that financially stable? Uh, you know, they travel, their, their travel expenses. I just actually uh, did some research on that. 2022, their travel expenses exceeded $3 million for Congress. That don't count Senate. That's just the House of Representatives. And the majority of these trips, they had just as many staffers or more staffers taking these trips that are paid for by the American tax paying citizen than even the representatives themselves. Tell me this. Why do six members of the select committee on January 6th, why would they need to go to Denmark for investigations? Last time I checked, January 6th occurred in Washington, D.C. I know because I was there. My my friend John was there. I was there. Uh, you know, there's no reason for Denmark to, you know, no destination in Denmark factors into the equation as far as I'm concerned. Who are they going to go interview? Are they really going to travel to interview six people that might have been there from Denmark that I highly doubt were there? Or are they going to Denmark to continue business operations that funnel money back to them and they're going to use, you know, under the guise of the select uh, January 6th committee? That would be my guess. It, you know, all the subpoenas that they have issued, um, Steve Bannon was one of them that received, you know, a, a ludicrous subpoena um, and then thrown in contempt of Congress, basically. So I'm hoping that the same is going to be done to Christopher Wray of the FBI when it comes to you know, his cooperation and providing documents to the Oversight Committee in terms of the Biden crime family spree. 
just that's about where we're at. So, uh, and the Biden laptop and so on and so forth. We will see that, you know, that that's down the road. Um, one thing that I do look forward to coming up very soon in, in terms of that House Oversight Committee, we, of course, know um, they have been investigating. James Comer leading the way on that one, uh, investigating the Biden crime family and his shell companies, the foreign money that has been taken in and how many members of the, the crime family have actually been on payroll and using other uh, foreign entities to funnel the money, setting up over 20 LLCs, limited liability companies, that have very little tax liability, and that's how you can hide money so easily because when you file taxes as a business owner of an LLC, especially if you're a sole member or just two members, you file the same way as if it's just your your regular, everyday, run-of-the-mill personal income tax filing. You just include you know one schedule. You include your Schedule C, and otherwise it's pretty much the exact same filing as a personal income tax, and that's why it is it's so easy to just squeeze it in there and get it in. And, of course, the IRS is going to be weaponized to begin with. And uh, so they're, what I'm looking forward to is as hard as they have been investigating that, and I hope that that does come to a conclusion, uh, especially with the, um, the threats of contempt of Congress to FBI Director Christopher Wray, is John Durham, the bull, is finally going to speak uh, outside of just a report that he released a few weeks ago in terms of uh, crossfire hurricane. Uh, many people were disappointed. The, the report says enough. And that's why so many are disappointed. It, it only led to um, arrests for two individuals. One was actually acquitted. One took a plea bargain very quickly and did not want to stand trial long. And everything that's, that comes out in the report sounds like there should have been much more, many more arrests, that there's plenty of evidence uh, you know, through his findings. So he is actually being subpoenaed and is going to take uh, the stand and he will be interviewed by Jim Jordan and a host of others in the House. Uh, hopefully, Representative Gates will uh, is, will be there on that committee as well. And they will be interviewing him on June 7th. So mark your calendars. That actually is next Wednesday. or Well, this coming Wednesday now. Uh, so Durham is going to be taking the stand. And I can't wait to see because his report wasn't per se vague. But it still left questions as to is there um, reason to file charges against somebody, say, like, Hillary Clinton. I mean, it, it pretty much says that she and her campaign were all very well aware of what was taking place. And, you know, the Steele dossier and what they were using, uh, number one that you have to keep in mind is that they also obtained FISA warrants illegally with no real reason. Uh, there was no evidence, no concrete evidence there that would normally issue a FISA warrant for a search warrant or for, um, in this regard, wiretapping, uh, following, you know, tracking, uh, basically espionage is what it, what had occurred. So not only would her campaign and herself be, you know, implicated here, but also the judges of the FISA courts. That is a court system. You have to provide evidence. It's just like going to court for any other case. And if you win, you end up obtaining FISA warrants to go after your suspects. So, yeah, there's a lot of people that are that have to be involved here. Barack Hussein Obama, he would have to be another one because you know he was the uh, the lame duck president at the time, and he was in cahoots the entire time with Hillary. Uh, Adam Schiff, which there's already been a, a motion, or supposedly that, that's something Kevin McCarthy said. So realistically, it won't happen. But you know, he again grandstanding like some of these people do. Adam Schiff will supposedly uh, be facing. Uh, Removal from Congress, uh, expulsion, in fact, uh, which 
I don't think he's going to pay much mind to because following uh, 2024, he's going to be gone anyway. He is actually running for the Senate position that will be vacated uh, by Senator Dianne Feinstein in California, who already announced her retirement if she lives long enough to reach that point. Um, Feinstein, of course, you know, she already missed several months of the uh, first session uh, of Senate here in uh, 2023. She and Chuck Grassley, uh, who I mentioned earlier, the uh, senator out of Iowa, they both turned 90 years old. In fact, she might have already, or it will be sometime this week, she has her 90th birthday coming up. Grassley's going to be turning 90 years of age in September. Now, I will say he has carried himself in terms of mental acuity. Um, I, I believe that he is much more mentally competent uh, in regards to, uh, in comparison of himself and Feinstein. But still, at, at 90 years of age, I can think of, uh, number one, I, I'll never live that long. But if I did, I could think of a million things I could be doing instead of going to D.C., especially if, I mean, Feinstein's from California. So, you know, like, she's being propped up in an airplane on the weekend, flying home. That's not, that's that's a lengthy trip. Um, you're looking, depending on where she's at, I, I know for me, um, when I flew from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, to Newark, New Jersey, and then Newark to uh, San Diego, I was looking at about five and a half hours out. I was also looking at about six and a half hours back, and that was uh, from San Diego to Atlanta. So, yeah, th- that's a hike, uh, you know, especially at 90 years of age. Uh, so, what, and even Grassley, I mean, being in Iowa, that, that's not a, a close-by trip. So, what do you have to gain at, at 90? What have you not already accomplished in your lifetime that you feel as though you need to continue to serve the country? I mean, for God's sakes, Grassley, he has been a member. He was first a member of the U.S. House of Representatives before becoming a senator. He's been in office since 1975, and he actually served in a state House of Representatives prior to getting into this federal uh, politics. So that's a very long time to serve. And, and the same can be said for the likes of even Nancy Pelosi. You know, Pelosi took office in 1987 you know, as, a, as a representative of California in, in the U.S. House. The same can be said for John Ken, uh, John Kerry, who's no longer a senator, but he's the uh, the climate czar. Uh, we talked about that in the last episode, uh, as he's now urging farmers to stop growing their crops uh, because he says that many lives depend on it uh, because that's the only way that we can get to net zero is if all farmers stop growing food, which sounds like a starvation plan to me. Uh, but that you know that's here nor there. But you know, it, it just goes without saying, uh, Chuck Schumer. He's going to be another one that you know to discuss. I mean, Schumer ended up taking office, I believe it was 1984, um, because he was he won his uh, election to become a senator, United States senator in 1998. But he served in the U.S. House of Representatives for many years prior to uh, the same type of hike that what Adam Schiff was attempting to do, which is again go from a member of the U.S. House to a member of the U.S. Senate and switch chambers. And we know why they're doing that, because, again, Senate gets six years. Their term is not four. It is six years, ladies and gentlemen. U.S. House of Representatives, you only get two years. As soon as you win your election, you're already talking about your campaign uh, and what your next, you know, your next strategy is going to be moving forward and trying to find out who your uh, respective opponent could possibly be. So we have seen plenty of that. Um, Joe Biden is another great example. I mean, Biden has been in. Uh, longer than even Grassley, Biden took office. Uh, he was ran in 1972 as a Delaware senator and became a member of the U.S. Senate uh, in January of 1973. 
He stayed in Senate the entire time until he ran for president in 2008. And then in his losing bid, um, you know, the powers to be, not Barack Obama, but the real powers to be, told Obama basically, you know, you're going to have Joe as your running mate. And, you know, Biden was a senator up until uh, 2009 when he was sworn in as vice president of the United States. And then that was an eight-year term. He sat out for four years uh, during the Trump administration and came back and then ran for uh, president. And we know how that turned out. Uh, the result was not $81 million, but we uh, every dog has his day. Everyone gets to tell a tale. Uh, but that, that's still, it's an insane amount of time. And uh, speaking of that, that goes to show. I mean, his age is continuing to wear more and more every day. I don't know if you saw it, uh, but I'm going to provide the audio clips from it. Um, an accident that, that had occurred at uh, the Air Force Academy at their graduation, at their commencement ceremonies. And uh, Biden, well, he, he got a little confused and he forgot about the imaginary stairs that are there. Uh, they were invisible and uh, he even had coaching. But first, we're going to let you hear from the uh, the play-by-play that took place. Of, of excellent job in, you know, Keller commentary. I will give him that. Uh, and then we will come back from there. I will actually let you listen then to uh, the person that was directing Mr. Uh, Biden uh, in his ear with his earpiece and trying to help him navigate. Uh, we've seen in the past uh, over the last couple of years here, Biden really, he does struggle when it comes to stages. He doesn't know exit stage left or exit stage right. He just sees one vision and he goes. It's kind of like, oh, squirrel. And then forget everything else that's taking place. So um, maybe that's, that's probably why Hunter smokes crack. Because he's probably very, uh, suffers from ADHD or attention deficit disorder of some sort. That probably puts his focus, you know, in place. Uh, so maybe Joe should take a hit off the pipe. I, I don't know. Uh, maybe the, the next family reunion, 4th of July, uh, Hunter could maybe provide that or offer it if they're uh, still not subpoenaed or uh, have warrants executed on them for their arrest. Uh, hopefully that will take place soon. Uh, but it's the Republican Party and... Anymore, I, I just I've lost a lot of my faith in, in that uh, in that entire sector. So most likely they'll end up going unfazed, untouched, and unscathed, and you know they'll continue to uh, rain terror on the United States and all around the world. But here it is. Let's take a listen. Uh, this is Joe Biden again at the Air Force Academy's commencement ceremonies uh, just about a day ago. Salute. There he is, and down goes fucking Holyfield again. Excuse me. Correction. The President of the United States drops again for the 47th time this month. You know, you must respect the Commander-in-Chief at the same time. What the fuck's going on here? This is fall number 48. Was that a good play call or what? I'm telling you right now, Pat Summerall and John Madden wouldn't have called it with that kind of vision. Uh, to me, I, it was like I could, without watching the video, which I did over and over again, um, I'm, I still laugh when I see it, but not as hard as the first four times. But... To, to create a picture and just make it a picturesque moment with those words, that was that was unbelievable play calling. I got to give him credit. Now we're going to listen to the man that was in the earpiece, Joseph uh, Robinette Biden Jr. And uh, he, God love this guy too. I mean, he, he does everything he can to, to keep the guy out of harm's way. Um, and they keep throwing these invisible stairs in front of him. The same happened with Air Force One. Uh, but he just bumped his head uh pretty hard, which I don't think that would really affect him at this point, but on uh, Marine One. So here it is. We will uh, listen to uh, to his his guidance here. Take a listen. Yep, up the stairs. Careful, careful. You know how you are with stairs. Yeah, okay, that podium, yes. Walk forward, walk forward, say hi to the general, and stop. And stop. Where, where are you going? Not that general. Oh, my God. 
Joe, go back to the podium. Joe, oh my God, this is so awkward. These poor cadets. Joe, to the podium. Could you, yeah, thank you. Direct him to the podium, please. Come on. There you go, old man. Get up there. No, the podium, you idiot. Where are you going? Oh, God. You know, I hope something happens to you later. A few moments later. All right, go ahead and walk off the stage now, Joe. Whoa, whoa, whoa! What happened? Did someone push you? Invisible stairs? Where? There's nothing there, Joe! Obviously, some people just cannot take direction. Um, you know, you can show somebody something a million times. You can suggest something. Uh, you can even lead by example, but you cannot physically make the person do it. And obviously, that is the case here. Um, you know, maybe Joe feels as though he was born to lead. Not any time at this stage of his life, but maybe at one time earlier. Uh, so he, he's just not uh, taking direction well. And, you know, it, it's really hard. It's almost like playing a game when you're a kid and playing hot and cold. And you keep saying, you know, you're getting colder, you're getting colder, but the person doesn't change direction. They just keep going in the same direction. And, you know, eventually you're just like, I, I can't do this anymore. And you just, you know, you, I quit. Or like playing hide and go seek and you don't even hide that well at all. Like you're standing next to a refrigerator, not in it. And the person walks by you four times and eventually you're looking at your watch. It's like, I got to go home soon. That That's what this kind of feels like. But, you know, in any event, I mean, God love him, he tries. Actually, not God love him because he doesn't love God. I really don't believe that. But y you know what I'm getting at. Yeah, and it's got to be frustrating. If you're one of his handlers or, say, Obama, and you're the marionette and you're there with the strings and his legs don't want to cooperate, it's kind of like Weekend at Bernie's, uh, you know, and you're just kind of dragging his feet along for him because they don't want to work. What, what can you do? You know, at that point, you just almost want to throw in the towel and be like, get me another Biden because I'm pretty sure we're on the third or fourth one now because they've all of – since 2008, it's changed uh, course, it's changed looks, um, it's changed voice. It's, believe it or not, if you look at the videos, um, it's even changed its handwriting from right-handed to left-handed. Uh, the Biden we have now is left-handed. The Biden that was in uh, office, actually even as a vice president, was right-handed. Uh, like I said, if you look at the pictures, you look at the films of him signing, uh, you'll see that. Or maybe he's just he decided, you know what, I want to be the next Chipper Jones or Eddie Murray. I want to be that switch hitter. And he just worked hard to become ambidextrous. He would never be able to say the, the word ambidextrous. That, that would come out like when he talks about, you know, and, you know, and he's actually trying to talk about a Great Depression or whatever. But he might be ambidextrous. I don't know. Maybe Dr. Phil, his wife, or, oh, no, that's Dr. Jill. They look alike. Uh, maybe that's something she's working with him on. It, it beats me. Um, one thing is for sure is I would think that eventually an, an administration would be stepping in to handle a complete crisis. And, you know, obviously, again, John Kerry would say that the crisis is not the border. It's not uh, the city of Chicago. The crisis is climate. Um, but the real crisis right now, outside of the border and the debt ceiling, uh, definitely is taking place in the city of Chicago and in the state of Illinois. And I don't think anybody could deny that right now. If we thought that Mayor Beetlejuice was a problem, and, you know, people were hopeful when you know, they had an election and that she was going to be replaced. And then you find out that the person that is replacing Beetlejuice is just another Beetlejuice, but maybe just a little bit better looking. 
and it, it seems to just it seems to be a way. Like and we're, we saw the same thing in New York uh, after governor after governor with Cuomo, and now um, that thing that they have now. Uh, what's their Hockle? Uh, that's in office, and it it seems like they are all on the same political path, and that that is total destruction. They're having so many members of the uh, the police forces resign, retire, whatever the case may be, and I don't blame them uh, because they're being mistreated. They're not allowed to do anything if they you know if they make arrests or they use any force whatsoever to defend themselves and to protect the, the communities. Right away, they're criminalized. They are victim or uh, villainized. And then the prosecutors won't prosecute them anyway because the prosecutors in this country aren't doing their jobs. Unless you're an innocent, hardworking, taxpaying American, then you end up being prosecuted, charged with some sort of crime uh, just because you, you do have a good moral standing. And so what they are talking about doing now uh, is enacting a bill, well, they already have basically, it will be enacted very soon, that will allow non-citizens to soon have arrest power um, as a police officer in Illinois over United States citizens. And I learned this actually from my good friend, uh, Tracy Dow. Uh, she is in Queensland, Australia, and she pays just as much attention to what is going on in America as I think um, most Americans do, uh, probably more so than most Americans. She is a, a just God love her. She is a tremendous patriot, uh, and she's she just wants to see peace and you know prosperity for the world. Uh, and she's concerned about friends of hers, including myself here in the States. And she sent me this in a message, and then uh, I ended up finding it again in another way. And it's uh, in an article written by John Kraft and uh, Kirk Allen. And this was released back on uh, June 1st. And I was just completely amazed. I, I read it to my friend, you know, and he would say, he's like, whoa, 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 hold up. What, what's going on now? And I told him, and he's like, how could you do that? And that's the same question that uh, the very few Republicans who— voted against this measure, are also asking. It's called House Bill 3571. It was passed by both houses this past week uh, with Senate Floor Amendment 1. Uh, Senate Bill Amendment 1 permits counties and municipalities to hire non-citizens as deputy sheriffs and police officers in the same manner as hiring United States citizens as long as they are legally authorized under federal law to work in the United States and is authorized under federal law to obtain, carry, or purchase, or otherwise possess a firearm, or is an individual against whom immigration action has been deferred by the United States Citizenship and Immigration Services under the Federal Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals, uh, otherwise known as DACA. We know that from uh, the feud between Trump and Obama. Uh, unless DACA process is authorized under federal law to obtain, carry, or purchase, or otherwise possess a firearm. I, I kid you not, you can't make this up. What this means in Illinois is that you may soon see, as I said, a non-U.S. citizen that has a, say, a, a green card or a work visa, wearing police badges with arrest powers over U.S. citizens. Uh, the Senate passed the bill with uh, Senate Amendment 1 on May 18th. The House concurred on May 19th. The only Senate no votes were from Anderson, Bennett, Bryant, Chesley, Coran, DeWitt, Fowler, Harris, Joyce, Lewis, McClure, Plummer, Preston, Resin, Rose, uh, Stoller, Syverson, Tracy, Turner, S., and Wilcox, Senate Republican leader Dan McConchie even voted in favor of this bill, which you know, just that surprises me. Uh, House Republican leader Tony M. McCommy uh, also voted in favor of this bill, as did Jason Bunning, uh, John Cabello, Michael Coffey Jr., John uh, Igoski, Amy Alik, 
Amy Grant, not the singer. Mike uh, Marin or Moron, Moron, maybe. Um, since he voted in favor, you'd have to be a moron to vote for this bill. And others, this bill's currently awaiting the governor's signature. Uh, so Senator uh, Chapin Rose, he spoke uh, on the subject of non-citizens having the authority granted to him, them uh, to be able to place a U.S. citizen under arrest. I, I stand with, uh, with Senator Rose, uh, Illinois State Senator. I, I agree with his sentiments. And um, I agree. Yeah, I don't. It's sad. Like, what is this world coming to? I would not be surprised now if this doesn't be, you know, set a new trend. And the thing is, they're, they're violating the United States Constitution. Rose said that, and I'm going to let you listen to his speech. He even says we would have to change federal law for this to work, for this to even be allowed. But yet it's going to the governor's desk, which is a Democrat, by the way. So I'm sure it will be passed immediately. And enacted into law. So, you know, somebody needs to be petitioning the Supreme Court at this point in time to have this thing stopped. Does it make sense? Are you awake yet to the fact that we have a border crisis? We have a crisis at our southernmost border, and we've had an immigration crisis for some time, and now they're allowing non uh, citizens, non US citizens, to have legal authority and judicial power over that of a US citizen. Is it making sense to you yet? They have us surrounded. So for those of you who keep saying, well, good thing we have 2A. Yeah, how much longer? Because once they're on your doorstep, I'm telling you now, it's going to be too late. You might think that you're Rambo, but I would beg to differ, especially when you're going to have an army the size of, you know, all the allies of NATO. And uh, we already have Chinese nationals roaming this country. We have Afghan refugees and then... Everything that's coming across that southern border, it's not just from Latin America. You know, it, it's going to be, and then they're going to, of course, deploy our, you know, our, we already have troops helping to aid uh, allied forces with the war in Ukraine. They're doing everything they can to escalate tensions between China and Taiwan. And that's their ultimate goal is to send more and be in, involved in that war. And they're going to leave us here to defend ourselves. So who am I to, uh, other than the fact that I would like to unite with you and do it differently, who am I to argue but let's take a listen to what uh, Senator Chapin Rose had to say. Um, it, you know, he, I think he actually struggled for words. You know, here was uh, certain pauses as, as I am. Like it, when I first saw this, I was completely dumbfounded. This is like having a kindergarten teacher hand over the reins of their class to the five and six-year-olds, four or five, six-year-olds, and say, you control me now. Here you go. You teach. And I'm going to, uh, I'll finger paint with my poop and, you know, I'll put some clay and some pencils up my nose and let me know when you guys are, are done for the year. That That's what it reminds me of. Give me my gold star. And I don't think, although with the education system today, I it wouldn't surprise me. Nothing would. I mean, we have schools that are allowing children to uh, have litter boxes in their in their restroom facilities. So it, it's beyond me. Thanks a lot, Rockefellers and Rothschilds, because you're destroying the world. One, uh, just one new section at a time. Thanks. No, seriously, I mean, really, thanks. A lot of sarcasm intended. Here's Senator Rose. Senator Anderson just raised a great point about, you know, the oaths that we take to uphold the state constitution, also the federal United States Constitution. You have to actually change federal law for this to be legal. But put all that aside for a minute. Why on earth would we, the most important power of any government, the most important power that must be conferred with absolute 
absolute concern for how it is employed and how it can be abused is the power to arrest. We listen every day in this building to debates about the police powers of the state of Illinois. And yet here we are conferring the police power, the ability to arrest a citizen of the state of Illinois, or frankly, a visitor to Illinois from anywhere else in the United States of America, an American citizen, to a non-citizen. This is just a foundational thing. I get that everybody's running away from law enforcement in Chicago because of everything the state of Illinois has done to law enforcement in the city of Chicago. But to backfill that and hand the power to arrest and detain a citizen of this state or this in, citizen of any state in the United States to a non-citizen is a fundamental breach of democracy. It is antithetical to the police power of any state. And at the end of the day, quite frankly, it's antithetical to everything that I hear from the other side of the aisle every day in this building. This is a fundamentally bad idea. There's no fixing it. There's no amending it. There's no nothing. It's just a fundamentally bad idea. I don't care where this individual is from. Australia, they should not be able to arrest a United States citizen on United States soil. Canada should not be able to arrest a United States citizen on United States soil. You wouldn't hand this over to the Russians and say, here, come arrest us. There is a greater principle at stake here than the stuff we typically argue about in this building, a much greater principle. And you cannot hand the power to arrest any citizen of the United States, let alone the ones we represent here in Illinois, over to someone who's not a United States citizen. Thank you, Madam President. So you heard it there from, uh, that was Senator Tapin Rose of Illinois. Um, again, I I can't blame the guy for feeling the way he does his concerns. You can you can sense a, um, a tone of just a genuine tone, I guess you could say, when you hear him speak about this. It, you can tell that it is a legitimate concern, and it should be. It's a legitimate concern, you know, for the entire nation because this sets a precedent. Uh, anytime a precedent is set, especially by the Democratic Party, once they get their foot in the door and they get the leverage to do something one way, you know they're going to expand on that idea. We have seen it time and time again. Uh, and it, it's a very dangerous precedent to be able to allow a an illegal alien um, or even a legal non-U.S. Uh, citizen here, again, with maybe um, work credentials, a work visa, green card, whatever, uh, what have you, and being able to possess judicial power over that of a legal citizen. I think it's a dangerous precedent. I think it puts um, you know American citizens at great risk. I also think that it places those, um, those non-U.S. citizens at risk as well because at some point there's going to be some backlash and there's going to be retaliation, and that's only going to escalate matters in Chicago where things are already uh, as bad as what they are. I mean, it's, it's an atrocity of what we're seeing in the Windy City, and... You know, I, I can't help but to believe 
otherwise, I, I think, in my honest opinion, it is because if they can eventually declare the entire city, uh, or at least you know, the south side of that city, a, an official war zone, uh, and the president, uh, the, use a pro- proclamation, a presidential proclamation, or an executive order uh, to declare a war zone, and then use eminent domain, uh, which they've already, in a sense, have begun doing uh, with buying up of uh, different areas that were supposedly uh, set aside for housing or uh, small businesses and then are basically repossessed or um, purchased by the government. I saw something in uh, the Rockefeller Annual Report, which they are issued every year. Um, You can find them at RockefellerFoundation.org. That's where I found it at. And they seem to be uh, very accurate profits when it comes to 10-year intervals. Uh, Back in 2000, I'm trying to think what year it was, in 2010, uh, Rockefeller Annual Report, they were detailing COVID-19. They were, now, of course, it was an example of, you know, a situation or a scenario, but it was identical. It even talked about um, an infectious disease or a virus that could end up coming or originating from a zoonotic animal. And it was obviously, it, they talked about it being released in China as their uh, fictitious or, uh, you know, their scenario that they were playing up. And 10 years later, in 2020, we had COVID-19. In the 2013 Rockefeller Annual Report, we were seeing the same thing. Look for yourself, you'll see where it's talking about urban development. And it's talking about smart cities. And they are listing, they already listed the Pacific Northwest. And we've already seen that. They're being implemented already in Portland, Oregon. And in that area, Seattle, Washington, um, Colorado. They spoke of Colorado. They're already, they have their own committee in Colorado, uh, a national committee for that matter. And then they also spoke of Northeast Ohio. And what significance does Northeast Ohio have? Think about it. East Palestine, the train derailments. And you still have residents there complaining uh, and expressing their fears and concerns about uh, the water being contaminated and just everything else that has occurred, whether or not the air is even um, you know, breathable or should be uh, considered breathable by anyone that still remains there. And residents and citizens of East Palestine area are still asking for help, and they're being ignored for now. Uh, but I'm sure once it comes time for an eminent domain, it only makes sense when that was the region that it speaks of in that annual report. It says uh, Northeast uh, Ohio. That That is East Palestine region. So you it it's right there. The, the writing's on the wall. You have plenty of proof in writing right before your eyes. It also speaks of Chicago and uh, talks about the Chicago, uh, Illinois area. And when you have a war zone like you do, and now there also there's a few uh, major historical buildings that uh, they're not going to be saving and not going to uh, preserve. They are bringing those buildings down in Chicago. Uh, that's going to be more space that they can use to develop these smart cities. Uh, so it, they like to tell you in advance. It's, it's an arrogance factor, in my opinion, uh, whether it's they're using Hollywood and using cinema or whether they are telling you right to your face, just like uh, Anthony Fauci and you know, what was it, 2016 maybe, uh, when he said about the, the next incoming president was going to have a pandemic on their hands. And we've already heard Biden talking about the next pandemic because there's going to be a next pandemic. We've heard Bill Gates uh, say the same thing. So just mark my words, and maybe I won't uh, be right. Maybe this will not come to fruition, and I hope to God I am wrong. 
but we will see when the time comes down the road. Uh, just remember where you heard it first, folks. I am the original Joshy Cox. You are listening to the Masquerade Podcast. Again, you can hear this thing everywhere. Uh, Spotify, Spotify for podcasters, iHeart, HoneyPod, PockyCast, PodHero, PCast, Podverse, Amazon Music, Podcast Addict, Capsule, Podomatic, Player FM, Stitcher, Deezer, Apple Music, Boomplay Music, Ghana, Google Podcasts, Odyssey, Fountain, Memento, Hub Hopper, Podcast Go, Radio Republic, uh, Podcast Republic, Audible, the Podcast App, Broadcast, and Moon FM. The list goes on and on. Uh, probably as much as what I'd like to do sometimes when I get rambling on a, uh, a hot story or a hot lead when it comes to uh, pretty much exposing deep state government corruption. Because that is my passion in life. So have a great weekend. Enjoy this Saturday. We will see you for the next episode. Welcome to the Masquerade. I'm Joshy Cox. Goodbye, everybody. Don't forget to read between the lines. Making shakes out of dudes. Antifa riots and loots. Treated chrome like I fear. Got sniffed by Pedro Joe. Hunters smoking blow while they bought more kids from Wayfair. Fetterman's on his last life. McCarthy's still taking bribes. Pelosi's drunk and insane. Well, the TV news is owned by Zionist Jews. Won't say who was on Epstein's plane. Washington Swamp really Spaces, I got patriot friends. Liberals call us racist. Well, Obama had long. For a chick with a schlong, Big Mike was at his back door. Dancing gay pride, BLM picking fights. We finance Zelensky's Ukraine war. Created COVID-19, Bill Gates vaccines to isolate family and friends. Just so big lies about a campaign in Trump Tower. Never kill Ben Laden. Washington Swamp really needs some drainage. Where elections are bought and are rearranged to take her rights away. It's the communist way. Oh,
Patriot friends, liberals call 